Well, the Apostle Peter certainly grabs the attention of any Christian with these words, 1 Peter 4, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Well, Peter calls our attention to the times that we live in. The Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. And believers know that we are one day closer. Every day we wake up, we're one day closer to His return, and it could happen today. And so believers that are longing for Christ's return, understand the end of all things at hand, have a very keen awareness and a value for time. Time. Alistair Begg talked about the value of time and how we value it. It's interesting, I thought. He said, what's the value of a year? Well, ask the student who failed a grade. What's the value of one month? Ask the mother of a premature baby. What's the value of a week? Ask the editor of a weekly newspaper. How about the value of a day? Well, ask the daily wage earner who gets paid by the day and has children to feed at home. What's the value of one hour? Ask two people who are in love, who are waiting to meet together. What's the value of a minute? Ask the person who missed the train. What's the value of one second? Ask the person who missed, who just avoided an accident. What's the value of a millisecond? Well, ask the person who just won a silver medal in the Olympics. Peter calls for believers to have an acute awareness of their moment in history. But notice why it's so important that they pay attention. It's for the sake of your prayer life. Today we conclude our series, uh, Relatable. It's fun. We're going to see that the best thing, the best thing that you can do for your relational life and the people that you love is to pray for them, is to pray for them. The best thing you can do for someone is to pray. Now, in our series, Relatable, um, we've been asking ourselves, can you relate? Can I relate? And I'm not talking about... Can you make money? Can you cook? Can you find a cure for cancer? No. Can you relate? We have been, we acknowledge that there's lots of helpful relational advice out there. I mean, you can get some helpful things from a Dr. Phil, a good counselor, uh, reading a book on communication. But what we have zeroed in on is to look at the wisdom from God. What does God say about relationships? And he's written volumes on the topic. You're not going to hear this stuff uh, any other place that it is word. And so uh, we've been looking at like transferable skills in our relationships. In other words, these are skills that we've been looking at that can apply to your marriage or to family or to the workplace or the community or friends that you have, social life relationships or even relationships with people who you are very different from or don't get along with uh, very well. And so we've looked at the idea of valuing first work, the value of relationships. Well, because we're created in the image of God, people are so valuable, so important. Count them, 
more important than yourself than yourselves. I, I'll never forget as, as, as a high school student here and somebody say, you know, there's only two things that are eternal in this world, people and the word of God. People are valuable. Then we talked about the need for the skill of understanding. Is love all we need? Well, we went, no, we really need to know how to love and the unique wisdom that comes from God in understanding people and relationships and how we can best connect with them. In the scriptures, the book of Proverbs we recommended, hopefully you've been reading there, a chapter a day as we go through the month. And we last week we talked about investing. When you looked at the relational culture, we looked at the relational culture in the household of God. What was that culture like? What does God desire for those in his church? And we find out that these are people devoted, devoted to getting together and investing in each other's lives. That's a powerful thing. What today we're going to see, today, I wanted to wrap it up with this because we're going to see that the best thing that you could possibly do for someone you love is pray. Is pray for them. Now, the topic of prayer is full of mystery. Wow, how does this work, really? And, and there's questions that we come up with all the time. Does it matter? Does God already know? Why should I pray? Lots of questions that we could press into. But today, for the sake of time, can I give you the short answer on why we should pray? Here it is. Because Jesus did. I, I, I love what Philip Yancey says. Um, in his book on prayer, as he wrestles through this, does it matter? He says, well, for me, after surveying Jesus' life in the gospel and watching his example of prayer, here's what he said, when doubts creep in and I wonder whether prayer is just a sanctified form of talking to myself, I remind myself that the Son of God, who had spoken worlds into being and sustains all that exists, felt a compelling need to pray. He prayed as if it made a difference, as if the time he devoted to prayer mattered every bit as much as the time he devoted to caring for people. So um, if you wonder what difference prayer makes in your relationships and in your relational life, well, Jesus and Peter would say, you have no idea. You have no idea. It is more than you'll ever know how important this is. So let's look at two points. Today's gonna be a little unusual. We're just gonna have two points and we'll do this. We'll make a point about prayer and then we're gonna give you time to pray. Right where you sit, and actually engage in this. All right, so let's do it. The first point we want to see is prayers that shape a life. Prayers that shape a life. Grab your Bibles if you have one on your device and then turn to Ephesians chapter 6. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul is making us aware of the reality of the spiritual war that, that takes place on our hearts and minds with ideas and and, and the evil one, and the schemes of the devil, and, 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 and the cosmic powers, and we need to put on the armor of God, the shield of faith, and the word of God, and, and, and it talks about the spiritual warfare and how God wants us to stand in that and the strength that we have in the Lord. 
and he wraps up this conversation. Listen to what he says in Ephesians 6, verse 18. He says, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all of the saints. John MacArthur, commenting on this verse, said this, the greatest thing that we can do for another believer or that he can do for us is to pray. That is the way the body of Christ grows spiritually as well as in love. So true love in relationships. If I'm truly loving someone in a relationship, I want what's best for others and the best expression of love I can possibly give is to pray for people. Prayer is the blessing of God on them calling for their best. You know, I've watched uh, our grace groups and if you're involved in a grace group, you know, COVID-19 hits the pandemic is really difficult for our grace groups and how are we meeting together, are we getting on Zoom, are we gathering together, are we calling each other, whatever. And it's been difficult on the relationships, but I have seen something powerful happen in a number of our grace groups. The intentionality of your prayers for one another has gone to another level. I've seen it. I mean, before the pandemic hit, maybe you sat in class and, you know, they had prayer requests and maybe you jotted them down, maybe not. People, yeah, and maybe you remember them, maybe you didn't. But now, I mean, the email lists going around, the text groups going around, the phone calls going around, people are intentionally praying for one another like I've not seen before, and it's good. It's good. Paul when he talks about the spiritual war all in, says, man, you got to be praying all the time for your brothers and sisters in Christ. You need to do that. And then Paul says this is very interesting. The next verse, he says, oh, yes. And by the way, as you're praying for all your brothers and sisters in Christ, um, he said, don't forget to pray for me. It's a very tender thing. In the Apostle Paul, verse 19, he says, and also pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly in proclamation in proclaiming the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul says, look, pray for each other in this spiritual war. But Paul says, I'm in a spiritual war too. And I'm going into these towns. Pray that I clearly communicate the good news of Jesus Christ and help me to do it boldly. Because when I'm going into these towns, people are beating me up. I'm being persecuted. I'm being flogged. I'm being thrown in prison. And I'm so tempted to just to back off. Listen, prayer can shape another person's life. It's the best thing you can do for someone. So pray for each other at grace. All your brothers and sisters, you know, at grace. And can I ask you this? Please remember the staff. Please remember the staff at grace. We need this. We're in a spiritual war as well. It's a powerful expression of love to pray for each other. So what do those prayers look like? We talk about praying for one another, and Paul says, do it, all kinds of prayers. 
what does it look like? What does your prayers actually sound like? We, there's lots of recorded prayers in the Bible. We're typically maybe most familiar with, maybe only familiar with the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> Give us this day our daily bread, whatever. But there are lots of recorded prayers in the Bible that are great models for us to know how to pray for people. Colossians 1 is a very, very powerful prayer that shapes people's lives. I want to walk through it. Turn to Colossians 1, and I want us to, to look at this prayer. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 9 to verse 14. And this is Paul praying, and he writes out his prayer for these people. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more. That's not Colossians, that's Philippians. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. Here we go, Colossians. Paul's praying for all these people. Colossians 1. He says, And so from the day that we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking, here's what he's praying, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So that you walk in a way that, do you know who you are as a child of the King? Fully pleasing to God. May our lives be fully pleasing to God. Bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened. Boy, do people, brothers and sisters in Christ, in a spiritual battle in the world we live, do you think they need strength? Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who's qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, for He has delivered us. Paul prayed, do you realize who you are? He has delivered us. He's rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Oh my goodness. If we could live out those kinds of realities, this is what Paul's praying. This kind of prayer powerfully shapes someone's life. You know, there's many ways that you can invest in your marriage, and it's good. A lot of books written about it, you know. You can invest time, acts of kindness, gifts, a lot of things. But listen, the best thing you can do for your spouse is pray. Pray. Pray this kind of wisdom and, and strength and encouragement into their lives. A lot of instructions about parenting. Hey, as parents, right, we, we raised two kids, right? They're both grown adults and married. And, and, you know, I wanted to provide the best. We want the best for our kids, don't we? So we provide a good education. Man, I sent our kids to Ashton Christian School. You know, we got food and clothes for them. We got, got them lessons. They were involved in sports. We, we, we took them to Disney. I mean, you got to take them to Disney World, right? It exposed them to so many things. There were so many things about pairing. I wanted the best for my kids. But I want to tell you something. I learned very, very early on. It hit me hard. But you know, what do I really want for my child? I loved our kids. We love, Holly and I loved our kids. And we realized the best thing we could do for them was to pray for them, that God would fill them 
with the knowledge of his will so that they could walk in a manner worthy of his calling and that our kids would be filled with wisdom and understanding and their lives would bear fruit and be strong and powerful and they would endure with patience and be joyful and understand who they were as children of the king. That's what I wanted for my kids. Church these days, you know, churches and church leaders and pastors, these are challenging days and all kinds of conversation. Everybody has an opinion about what's going to happen to the church in the future as it comes out of COVID and, and what kind of shape our church is going to be in or people coming back and how do you reach the next generation and how do you have an impact on the community and how are people going to live well in the current environment in our country that we have and everybody's got methods and ways and what are we going to do? Listen, listen, you better, we better start here praying Prayers like this in Colossians to shape the lives of God's people. I remember reading a little booklet early on in my ministry life by E.M. Bounds, old school. And he, it's called, uh, the title of the book was uh, Power Through Prayer. And this is what he said, what the church needs today is not more machinery or better, not new organizations or more and novel methods. What the church needs to, today is men and women of prayer, mighty people in prayer. I remember someone saying years ago to me, you know, Dan, when men work, men work. And when men pray, God works. Whoa. Prayers that shape a life. Pleading for God to bless people and to work in their lives and they would work out their salvation with fear and trembling because God's at work in them. Uh, D.A. Carson, writing about this prayer in Colossians, he said this, prayer is God's appointed means for appropriating the blessings that are ours in Christ. You want to bless somebody? Would you pray for someone? God shapes their life. Unbelievable how powerful is that? Shaping the people that you love. We're going to give you a chance to do that right now. Don't run away. This is not a time to go get the cup of coffee or whatever or, or to check out. Oh, Dan's praying. I think I'll do No, 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 no. This is time for you. What I want you to do is right where you sit. If you're watching this by yourself, you pick somebody, a brother or sister of Christ that you're going to pray for and pray aspects of Colossians into their lives. Pray for these brothers and sisters in Christ. All right? Pray for them. Pray that God shapes their life. If you're sitting there watching it with a husband and wife, I want to take your time. Pray for each other. If you're watching as a family, just take time. We'll be some music playing. I want you to take a moment right now and just pray for each other. The best thing you can do for one another is pray. So let's take a moment right now and do that.
Oh, Father, you say you hear our prayers. We see Jesus interceding all the time, and he intercedes for us. And so, God, we come and we intercede for the people we love, and we pray, God, that you would powerfully move and bless them and shape their lives. You said that you're at work in every one of your children. We pray that we would respond to that, and the blessings you would shape our lives in a very, very strong and powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, second prayer. Prayers that shape a life, but I also want to look at prayers that spread the gospel. Prayers that spread the gospel. Now, Paul asked, right? He says, pray for each other. And then he asked that, that hey, pray for me too, right? That he would clearly communicate the gospel and boldly communicate the gospel. So that's how Paul was asking people to pray for him. But listen to how Paul prayed for those who he was communicating the gospel to. Romans 10 verse 1 says, My heart's desire, here's Paul's prayer, My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. Paul prayed these people would get saved. They would respond to the good news of Jesus Christ. Repent and embrace Christ as Savior. Listen, the priority of prayer in the spread of the gospel is something that has to be reclaimed in the church. We've got to see what kind of power we're not tapping into. 1 Timothy um, chapter 2. Paul writes to Timothy, a young pastor. He's pastoring this church, and Paul wants to make sure this church stayed focused on spreading the gospel, and the first priority of doing that is that they pray. They pray. Watch this. 1 Timothy chapter 2, first of all, Paul tells Timothy, I urge that supplications, prayers, and intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is, it's pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, listen, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Again, John MacArthur looks back at church history and said, boy, there's a tendency for churches to stay inward, to lose sight of the fact that people are dying and going to eternal destiny in hell, and we got to be praying that these people get saved. We're, we're always kind of tend to, to pull in and just think about our, ourselves. And he says this, if the primary aim of the church were just fellowship and knowledge of the word or the holiness of the saints, all of these goals could be perfectly accomplished by just taking the church to heaven and completing the job. But listen, the central function of the church here on earth, right now, the end of all things is at hand, Peter says, is to reach the lost, is to make disciples of the nations. Are we praying for the spread of the gospel? You know, I, I think about this. How many, how many students in the school maybe you teach at or attend? How many students that go through those hallways and sit in the classroom? Um, no one has ever prayed for them. Uh, how about the people you work with? 
How about um, people you encounter in town, maybe a waitress that you know or cashiers or something, people that we regularly encounter, maybe people that live in your neighborhood. How many people around us have never had anyone pray for them by name? How many people have never had anyone take them by name to the throne of God and say, God, please save them. Please save them. We're told to pray for kings, our new president. Wow, the current president clearly is legalizing and institutionalizing unrighteousness. It grieves us and God's people. What do you do? You pray. Understand something. Any real hope for America is not bound up in who is in political office. It all depends on the spread of the gospel. The king in Paul's time when he wrote to Timothy was Nero. Pray. When we see cities and towns and people and villages and countries, um, if we see the people around us in our cities and countries like Jesus saw them, then we will be people of prayer. I, I'm always moved and it's had a huge impact on me when we read about Jesus in Matthew chapter 9 when he says he went through all the villages teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel uh, of, of the kingdom and healing every disease. And then listen, it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest field. When we see the immense need physically and spiritually that exists in the people and the worlds in which we live, we need to pray earnestly, God, please move your people in the spread of the gospel. We pray that people would, in Paul's words, come to the knowledge of the truth. D.A. Carson says, you know, if God had perceived that our greatest need, there's lots of needs out there and we need to meet all these needs, but the eternal needs of a person's soul are the most important. D.A. Carson said, if, if God had perceived that our greatest need was economic, he would have sent an economist. If he had perceived that our greatest need was entertainment, he would have sent us a comedian or an artist. If God had perceived that our greatest need was political stability, he would have sent us a politician. If he had perceived that our greatest need was health, he would have sent us a doctor. But he perceived that our greatest need involved our sin, our alienation from him, our profound rebellion, and our death. And so he sent us a Savior. I want us to pray right now. I want you to take a moment and then I'll come back with some closing comments. I want you to pray right now for someone that God has put on your heart that you say, oh God, please save them. Please help them come to the knowledge of the truth and may they find Jesus Christ as their Savior. You pray this prayer of Paul, my heart's desire and prayer to God for and fill in the person's name is that they may be saved. Just quietly where you sit right now, Fill in that blank. God, my heart's desire and prayer for fill in the blanks of a number of names is that they may be saved. Intercede right now 
the spread of the gospel because you love these people. God, please, please convict them of sin and righteousness and judgment. Your Holy Spirit, you said you would do that. And bring the clarity, bring them to a knowledge of the truth, of the good news, that they can find forgiveness of sin and salvation in Jesus Christ. Oh God, please save them. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, look, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore... Be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Prayers that shape other people's lives. Prayers that spread the gospel. Maybe we be like Samuel, the Old Testament prophet, uh, when God's people were living in very, very uncertain times and people weren't exactly following God. Samuel said this, Far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. May that be said of us and may that be our heart's desire as we relate, as we relate to people that we love.